How do you get your brand worn by Kendall Jenner, Future, Dwayne Wade, and Gary Vee? Meet Max Siegelman, founder of Siegelman Stable. Max started making hats inspired by his dad's career as a horse trainer. A couple years later, Siegelman Stable is the hottest hat in the world. They sell at every drop, have the biggest celebrity clients, and even work with NBA teams. In this episode, Max reveals how you start a clothing brand from scratch, his secrets to gifting products to stars, and how to collaborate with the biggest brands in the world. Collaboration definitely was a huge piece of just some growth along the way. If you've ever wanted to create and market your own brand, this episode is for you. Welcome to Money Talks. Welcome to Money Talks. Happy to be here. <laughs> this is Max, Max Siegelman, founder of Siegelman Stable, the hottest, the hottest hat on the planet right now. So yeah, welcome. Happy to have you. Appreciate it. All Good the way be, from New York City. Good to be in Cali. <laughs> I want to start with so Siegelman Stable started with your dad. I want to hear about the origin and the inspiration for the brand. Well, you said it, Tim. It's like, yeah, he started his own racing stable in, in the 80s, and he was doing that even before that. And once he got involved with horses and started training racehorses for either groups of people or different individuals, he always kind of opened up his stable to different programs, whether it's veterans or inner city youth kids for to teach them horsemanship or for equine therapy. And I had nothing to do with any of it forever, my entire life. Like, obviously, when you go to school, like just outside New York City, and people are like, oh, what do your parents do? It's everyone like doctors, lawyers, whatever, or work in finance. I was always like, oh, my mom works at ESPN. My dad's a, a racehorse trainer. And like, that was always like something different and cool. But I don't think I like fully grasped how like different and cool it was and then had nothing to do with the business itself and then fast forward to the pandemic had a little bit extra time on my hands and just started using some of the first two original logos that my mom actually hand drew for him when he opened his business and just started making some hats and sweatshirts for fun like no intention to same logo that you got on your hat right now this this logo yeah the exact same one and then there was another bigger like racing stable logo that we started to use on sweatshirts and just again just did it for fun like never intended to sell it so you're you're saving money on graphic designers (laughs) (laughs) the hardest part actually when i first like decided to like want to do it was to get a digital version of the logo so i paid someone i worked with somewhere else to like redraw it like sketch it out and make it a digital file so that was actually a little mm. bit tough yeah but i didn't draw it from scratch so yeah so you so your dad was just like a horse trainer mm-hmm. wasn't doing any merch any caps nothing it was just it, so he made like a few things just with those two logos in like the 80s or 90s to give it to like the people who worked for him like assistant trainers or groomsmen and all that stuff and I mean, funny enough, we actually found one of those pieces like less than a year ago that he made back then that was on sale in a vintage store in Denmark. And I like randomly came across it and ended up buying it from the store and got it back. But there was like never, he that was never like a business part mm-hmm. of it. He was just making it as like gifts for people or just to like show the stable love. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And then, so you were just like, I want to bring this back. I want to kind of initially what was your goal with the brand or with making the, the caps nothing originally it was like i don't have any hats or like sweatshirts or whatever that has this on it and people have like always said oh it's so cool whatever in the past and like never really thought anything of it and then just had time on my hands to do it for the first time in a pandemic like not traveling for work and all that stuff as much and as soon as i did it and just gave it to like family and friends 
for like nothing or for like the cost. I was just hit up so much on my own through my own Instagram or in person or whatever that I was like, maybe that there's something here. And then, but I always said, once I started selling stuff to make money, we would always keep it super true to the brand story. So we donate a portion of proceeds to different equine therapy programs because that's always something that he's incorporated in his story. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's important to have that kind of thing backing it, right? Like there's so many brands, there's so many pieces of clothing yeah. people make. It's cool to have something like really organic that fits with it all. Yeah, I mean, now is like the easiest time that anyone's ever had to just create a brand. Like yeah. the, the content creator economy is like insane. Anyone could just make a brand because they have an audience. But if you have a heritage story that has meaning or has a, a do good purpose or all of that, it makes it uh, a lot more appealing, I think, to customers when they have all of these different options. Mm -hmm. So what was your first order of hats like? like so we were doing three different colorway hats, three different colorway sweatshirts. I was like, maybe per hat we were making between like 60 and 75 of each color. Okay. And we would do like a Friday drop, one o'clock, because I was like, I want, once I knew I wanted to sell it, I was also like, I also have $0 to market it. Cause I started this whole thing with like three or 400 bucks, just making this stuff. So I knew I wanted to figure out how to create enough hype that you don't have to spend any money in the market. You might start seeing pieces on resale. And at that time it was like Supreme Eric Emanuel. And they were following that like drop schedule. So people who knew, knew, and it was like 12 o'clock on a Friday is what Eric Emanuel drops or Supreme was dropping. I think it was like Wednesdays at one o'clock. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to do Friday at one o'clock. And I was like, that's kind of how we built the incoming customer or like the small community that we had to know when we were doing stuff. So it was like every Friday and there was something new, basically. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't as frequent, frequent as we've been doing uh, because I had no clue what I was doing when mm -hmm. I first started this. It was probably like every few weeks or like once a month. But I think a huge piece of it was like understanding that consistency is also going to help you break through. So I think when you're like that small, you're not spending money on marketing. I think like not being consistent is a huge roadblock for a, for a brand. Mm -hmm. So first, so you did three colors, what do you say? 60 to 75 hats <laughs> for a color. Uh, and you just drop all those at once kind of thing. That was the first drop. Yeah. And it sold out like less than 15 minutes. And I was like, damn. Okay. Yeah. So then you already had that traction of like you had been. But it was like, I think in the first few drops, it's like family and friends support. It's okay. like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. You just had it on your like, own maybe. Instagram type thing. Yeah. Like I'm dropping Yeah, this. like we started a Siegelman Stable Instagram, but there was like a hundred followers. Uh -huh. And I just like was posting it on my own Instagram and like starting to curate an email list and just like texting like group chats I'm in and like all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, like, I think the first you get through the first like one to three or one to five drops and you're like, this is cool. But you also, I think you need to be super hyper aware that it's family and friends who are like looking to support you. And like, now how do you get outside of that and start growing that spider web effect to people you have no clue who they are? And in the beginning, when people started wearing the hats or, or sweatshirts, people would like go up to people, they go, how do you know Max? Or like see a random person in an airport. People still do it now because it's still a little bit in the, if you know, you know, type of phase or like people always say. So I think it's, definitely started out those like small numbers but again it was like let's sell out move on to the next figure out how to build from there and so the first drop how much were you selling the hats for the hats we started at 46 bucks and now they're a little bit higher they're 56 bucks okay the, like the basic hats yeah and so the dad hats are a little bit more expensive but okay yeah so that first i'll just round the numbers but the first the first drop you did 200 hats at 50 bucks mm-hmm 
So were you seeing the money just that's like that's like ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars? Were you just seeing the money just like coming in on Shopify or was that what you were using? Yeah, Shopify. Yeah. Was it really like putting cool it on just Bluetooth to see speaker and you hear like cha-ching? Yeah. <laughs> I have no clue what I was doing. I was like, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> do this and no one else has to like take any of this money other than the government. Um, but like, yeah, I think it was like it was really it was really cool to see. And I think like you get super excited in those like first few drops and you like then you start getting into like, can I keep doing this? Can I keep doing it? And just like try and figure out like fun and strategic ways to continue to grow the brand without wanting to invest in in marketing and want to just make it all organic. Yeah. How much of the of the success you've had do you think is because you just went and did it and just dropped something and made like ten thousand dollars and got to see it come in? Because I feel like a lot of people start businesses and they're like in that planning stage for like months or years yeah. or whatever. And I think like getting that first money actually like is super like that just pushes you where you're like, oh, this is real. People yeah. are buying this. Ten thousand dollars is a real number. Yeah. I think I, I get like the plan I get the planning thing and like putting strategy behind it. And I think it's super, super important. I think it it was partially helpful that I had no no idea what I was doing. And I think that's not necessarily always the case. Yeah. And then I think when I say I don't know what I was doing, like I also understood how to market to an extent and like different ways to get the name or the products out there. But I think that there, there's definitely something to it. Just like, just go do it. Like you're going to make a mistake, whether you plan for six months, a year or two years. So it's like, just go learn real quick. And I think just because by jumping into it or learn pretty quick. So after that first drop, that was in 2020. Yeah. It was the summer of 2020. Okay. So almost about three years ago. Yeah. So what was kind of the next you, you saw, okay, we're having some success, mm-hmm. sold a bunch of hats. Did you try and were you like, we're going to keep this small? We're going to go big with the next drop or like yeah. what was kind of the next? Kept it small, like over and over. Um, I think the the only big change from there, from like a marketing perspective, was I used past relationships to start seeding some product. Uh, because I think just being an e-com brand, I think one of the tougher things is charging, we'll call it $46 as a premium, right? For a hat that you've never touched, felt, or seen in person. But if you see someone that you are influenced by or you're, you recognize or has a name and you can kind of rely on them if they're going to wear it, then it, it's probably legit. It's probably, it's probably a good product other than just look good. So I think that was the next phase as we continue to do the, the small drops. And so the next one was like three new colors. No, I did the same shit for like, <laughs> for like four or five drops, probably. Just more of those. Just more. Yeah, just up the quantity little by little. Like we never, we didn't take a huge jump in in quantity for a bit until we started making some new products, started doing some new collections, started doing some collaborations. And I think collaborations definitely was a huge piece of just some growth along the way by doing things with other brands who had bigger communities than we did and helped bring some visibility to us through social and press and just recognition. So you talk about seeding the products, sending hats to people. Mm-hmm. Now you've had everyone wearing your hats from Justin Bieber, Kendall Jenner, future Dwayne Wade. I mean, it's kind of like everywhere you look, someone's wearing a, a Siegelman stable hat. So how do you get people like that to wear your product? Yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's that easy. I think it's like they may get it and they may never wear it or they may think it doesn't look good. They might not like the design, the color. They may have no relatability to it. So I think it's like it's one thing to be able to get it in front of them or to the right people to get it in front of them. It's another thing for them to actually wear it. So I think that that's a big piece of it. I think like for Dwayne Wade, he was born in 1982. So there's a 1982 on the side mm. of it, which helped for sure. So I think just 
for me, it's it was use, utilizing a lot of relationships and networking that I've done for eight to 10 years through other work to help get it in the right hands. And then we're super careful with who we do that to, because for us, like being a young, small brand, it's like brand alignment for us is super important. Yeah, it's. I mean, those people that I just mentioned, you can't buy their, you can't, you can't pay people to yeah. wear shit. Can and like your Versace sunglasses or Prada sunglasses yeah. for Dwayne Wade or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's super hard to break through to those people unless you're a huge global brand with significant dollars. Yeah. So they got to really like fuck with you yeah. and really be like, I love this product and wear it, which is even more, you know, when you see people like that, that's why people gravitate because yeah. they're like, oh, they must really like it. Yeah. I mean, I had like two lists of like the types of people that I thought would be good when, when I was making this. It was like people who are celebrities or whoever it was that I thought could relate to the product, whether it's like a Kendall Jenner who has her own horses, who's public about equine therapy that's worked for her and riding horses. And then people like maybe like future and thinking about who his audience is in inner city and maybe they don't have the opportunity or they've never seen a horse in person and it's like a little bit more aspirational. So I think you like really need to be strategic and thoughtful about like why you think that might work for one individual over another and how you can attach your story to those individuals. Do you like when you're when you're targeting people or like sending product or whatever, is there sort of a custom note or something like that? Yeah, or handwritten note handwritten note of yeah. why you think they like the product it depends i think so future for instance i'm a huge future fan all i did like putting together the concept of seagull and stable is watch future music videos <laughs> uh, just keep that energy high but there's so many <laughs> lyrics yeah exactly there's so many lyrics by yourself in a studio apartment <laughs> in a pandemic yeah there's so many lyrics that he like refers to horses whether it's like horsepower from a car he owns or like whatever so i like, picked a few of my favorite like lyrics that had horses in it and like put that in there but like yeah i think you have to be like super creative and strategic and like why you're approaching them with with this mm. versus any of the other thousand products that get sent on a weekly basis yeah so i used to have a i used to have a cookie brand called yodo and what we would do is like the whole concept of it was like crazy flavors and custom flavors and stuff so we would create packages and do like custom flavors for people so if it was like, uh, you know, I'm trying to, we put like, like a, for a rapper or whatever, we put like their face on the packaging and make like, if I heard like whatever future likes mint, I would make like a mint cookie with future's face on the packaging yeah. and just send them like a dozen or whatever. So, yeah. Just things like that. You have to be like creative that, to you know? break through to like all the shit that gets thrown their way. Everyone wants a clothing brand these days. We were saying <laughs> everyone has a, you know, yeah. <laughs> I've been making clothing samples for 10 years plus. Like everyone's always making clothes. But what's the secret to standing out? Yeah. You've obviously done a great job at that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to like the creator economy and being able to break through, like, I think probably the busiest time ever in terms of like noise and options and, and, and optionality of a consumer. So I think it's like having that heritage story, having that brand story, sticking to the brand story, aligning your brand with the right brands or individuals is what's going to keep your brand around, around for a long time. I think it's super easy to become a hype brand really quick on social and you can take advantage of that and you can make a good amount of money doing that if that's your end goal. But if your end goal is to have a consistent community and customer base and a slow growth and still have that kind of like cool factor to it as you continue to grow slowly, then I think the approach that we're going is the right one for us. And people can disagree and do their own thing, but I think that's 
for us what's helping us at the moment. Yeah. I think it's much cooler that that approach where you're like, we're just going to make something organic and grow slow and like build this, build this kind of like powerful thing rather than like trying to make a hot product that like goes viral on TikTok for a month, you know, like yeah. uh, it's cool to, to build that long thing. Your hats, your, your drops sell out in minutes, but how do you balance like keeping it exclusive with also trying to build a business, right? Because mm -hmm. like that's obviously that balance of like we want to increase the sales. You made 10,000 with your first one. You want to eventually make a million or 10 million. But like you also got to keep that number small so that they do sell out, right? So what's that balance like for you? Tough. It's like every drop we do is tougher and tougher to figure out that balance and figure out supply and demand and then also supply and demand of how you want to continue to grow your business. So I think for us, it's, I mean, every, every drop we do is still learning opportunity for us to understand our customer, understand our growth, understand what kind of products that we should be making. And we want to stay true to what we want to make versus what maybe the market wants us to make. So I think it's tough. I don't think there's a right or, or wrong answer. I think you have to make adjustments as you go. And I think we understand that there has to be a time where things do have to change and you need to figure out new ways of creating revenue if you really want to make this a business business. So I, I think we're super aware of all of that and it's a fragile state when you, when you have to make those decisions. And I think we're right around that place that we need to start making a lot of those bigger decisions. Like these days when you're doing a drop, what, do you, how many hats are you dropping? I can't tell you that. <laughs> a lot more than the 70 that we were making before. That's so you don't say how many are out there per color. No, I mean, thing. we always say that they're, they're limited drops. I think we also restock on a lot of like our OG pieces uh -huh. uh, a lot too when we uh -huh. do it and we put out new products. So some of our new products is a test case for us too. But yeah, I mean, we're never fully open about it. Yeah, that makes sense. I like <laughs> That'll be a good cliff. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't tell you that. Yeah, um, secret sauce. <laughs> what about color colors and stuff are you are you selective like okay we want to do this many colors this year we want to you know yeah i mean and then it depends like we obviously we want to put out a lot of different options and stuff and we get dms all the time what people want right but again it's like it's kind of you want to stay true to what you're doing and figure out like we know what projects we have and all of that so depending on what the projects are who we're doing collaborations with um like different colorways will continue to come out and then i think there are colorways that have worked super well for us um in the past that we bring back and i think we're also like i think we'll be known for now and i don't know for how long but like as the hat company but we have all so many other products and we're just getting into starting to get to the final phases of a lot of our cut and sew stuff so um we're like moving in the direction we really want to again like slowly and organically but i think we'll we'll be able to to continue to put out the the types of pieces that we want to in addition to that what's uh what's the most popular color of the hat that's a good question. And the black black hats always do well. Obviously, the one that Kendall wore, like the two-tone black and brown, really does well for us. And then when we do these limited capsules, like they go, they go fast. Like we just did a, a new colorway, like the three colorways that we do. So it's like the two-tone hat with a different color embroidery. Those always do well. We just had one with pink embroidery, which was for Elite Lop, which is a huge horse race in Sweden. And that like went super quick. It was the first time we did pink too, which helped. So yeah, I mean, it, it depends. And then we restock based on uh, people's demand and appetite for it. So I was looking at your online store. So most are sold out. Those mm -hmm. are kind of the, the drops, but some are there. So are there some that you just kind of keep in stock versus like limited colors? Is that kind of- Yeah, we're idea? starting to test out keeping some in stock and having some like OG pieces around. And then some of our, our newer products too, we'll 
keep around for a little bit. Hmm. How do you decide how to price things or hats or? Anything? Yeah, it's tough. Again, like you said before, it's like when we first started, hats were forty six bucks, and then I saw some getting resold for three hundred eighty bucks. Or we had <laughs> one color hat was Crazy. resold for like sixteen hundred bucks sold for 1600 it's on it, it was on yeah resale for 1600 that's crazy yeah, and it was like a super limited run i think it might have been the first time too that i said how many we made of that colorway but we sold it for 100 bucks it was like it looked like a u.s open tennis ball and we dropped it around the oh US i saw open. that one um, on your site yeah yeah so i think like for instance uh those are those are those are fun to do too like those limited drops that are around like a cultural moment which which is always good um so yeah i mean it's across the board. It's all different. Would something like that, would you ever say like, we're making a hundred of these and we're never making it again type thing? I would say we're making a hundred of these. I don't know if I ever say we're not making it again. Cause then they go back on that. That's when you get called out on TikTok and on social. <laughs> like, I don't need that. We don't need any drama. We're just trying to tell a story through. Fashion. Yeah. 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 Like you might change your mind. <laughs> yeah, You're not trying to like, might, might be a real high demand for it. Might have to, but yeah. So again, like we started the hats at 46, we saw that people were reselling it for so much. Things started to cost more for us. Just like we started it in the pandemic and then prices in the market change. And then some of the hats that we make now are cut and sew hats. And I think like that's the route we want to continue to move to. It's like really just making our own stuff versus blanks. So th through all this, like what are the biggest marketing lessons you've learned? The biggest marketing you were, you were doing marketing before, yeah. right? You worked in marketing. Yeah. So you came into this already with like a good understanding of it all. But now obviously doing it, being hands-on, you must have like seen some stuff. Right yeah. Like. I mean, I think it, I think it depends. Like for us, obviously it's like, it, it's tangible items of, of clothing. So obviously like getting people to wear it that people again, look up to and, and consider trustworthy or cool is a huge thing for us. And I think for us, it's been all about being organic. I think it's all about your goals too. Like if you're just trying to sell as much product as possible, like sure, spend a bunch of money on Instagram ads and be able to show up in people's faces in two clicks and you buy it. But I think for us, it's the key piece. And I think what still makes it cool is the organic piece and not having a huge spend on anything. Do you do any paid ads? No. Zero. Zero dollars. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> good for the wallet. And it, it just, I mean, again, it, feel, it gets the right customers in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've done a ton of collabs. I saw you had one with the San Antonio Spurs, 1.37 p.m., carrots what's what's the key what's how do you approach these clubs yeah i mean lucky for us they've all pretty much been inbound and conversational and if we can align on the story that we want to tell and our story is cohesive with their story then it totally makes sense to do i think there are times that we've had to say no to stuff but obviously being able to do a collab with an nba team or a brand like like carrots is is great for us being that again, a smaller, newer brand, you're hitting a new community, you're hitting people that have never, maybe never heard of you and being able to tell your story to them in a different way with a brand or a community that they already associate with. How'd the, the Spurs one come about? That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I figured NBA teams are pretty like tight with like, you know, the Roman yeah, NBA. And, and like we're it. lucky now we have, we have two more on the pipeline for the next like eight to, to 12 months to breaking news. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think for, I mean, for that one, I was lucky enough to meet the right person who worked at the Spurs organization and got along really well, it introduced me to the right people. And it kind of happened super quick. And they obviously have that like Western vibe and it fit with our brand story. And we partnered with a equine therapy program in San Antonio, which again, fits our, our ethos as a brand and having that do good piece. Um, so 
we could tell a cohesive story that made sense. And so how did it work more on like a tangible level? It was like, you met this guy, he worked for the Spurs. You were like, we could do something cool. And how did, was there like a ton of legal and stuff involved? Were there like to put their logo yeah, I mean, on there's it? Always, and... Yeah, there's always legal stuff when you work with like someone like that. But I mean, they were an amazing organization to work with. Every league has their own different contractual rules and regulations and, and things to follow. And their NBA is pretty good about looking forward and having their their different brands and their different teams work with clothing brands or whatever type of brands to align with. So that was pretty seamless. I and mean, the craziest part of that was they gave us the entire arena for a day to shoot our content, which is like the craziest That's thing. That's crazy. Yeah. They brought a horse onto the court and it was like, it was pretty wild, but a sick experience. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they were amazing to work with, got along super well with their whole organization, had all the players wearing this stuff and it was just a good look all around. So... How controlling were they on like, make this number of hats? This is what the design has to look like. Yeah, no, we were pretty aligned on, on all of it. Um, like we, under, we understand like the quantities that we like to put out. And for something like that, it's, it's not necessarily about like how much you can sell. It's more about what kind of content that can you put together and, and for some co-branding stuff and make it cool. So I think in, in terms of like quantity, we always do pretty limited stuff for, for collabs. And again, they, they were great to work with and it gave us an opportunity to hit a new community for us. Mm, that's cool. And then they they gave all the players like a, a gifted all the players yeah. piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. You saw like the rookie Jeremy Sokan who uh who had an amazing season last year. With like, the, walking the crazy the color tunnel. hair, yeah. right? Yeah. Like walking into the tunnel in the full outfit. And I just got a request for the Spurs hats that we did for Wemby who just got drafted there. So it's cool. And you like keep the relationship with the team and the organization. So it's great brand building, but also just great for networking in yeah. general. That's sick. Yeah. Can you share like how, how the, how the kind of sales piece works on like when you sell hats, do they have like, we get this percentage? Yeah, it depends. Everything, every collab we do is different. Every contract that we have is different, whether it's a sports team or another brand or an individual or whoever. Like we just did one with Muhammad Ali that obviously his rights, Muhammad Ali estate is run by uh, authentic brands group. So obviously that contract looks a lot different than something that you do just for yourself, or we did something with Palm Tree Crew, or you do something with the Spurs. So it's all different. There's no, there's no right or wrong. It's like whatever makes sense for the two parties mm -hmm. that are involved. Generally for you guys, it's been you making the product and putting yeah, something we, with their brand make on. Everything. Yeah, yeah. If we're going to do a collaboration, we do something with an MLB team. There's definitely other rights because New Era owns the rights. So you have to use them for embroidery and printing and stuff like that. But for the most part, other than that, it's like we're creating everything. We're making it up front. We're designing it in tandem with them. We design it. They approve it. So, yeah, I mean, it's if and again, if that's not the case, like we have no issue saying no to things that don't feel right or don't fit how we would like to do it. So for a clothing brand approach to you, like another clothing brand or, or you wouldn't want to do some a piece with them with take the, C, the the Siegelman logo, put it on there or something. You want to be in control. Yeah, for another brand, I think obviously it's a little bit different because yeah. they are going to be a lot more creative and, they do and have their own ideas than like the San Antonio Spurs who are not necessarily making clothes as their business. Yeah, yeah. So like even when we did the thing with Anwar Carrots, uh, like it's a total collaborative process of how we're going to do stuff, what we're going to make, what colors it's going to be, all of that stuff. But again, if you have that synergy and you're already talking about doing that collaboration, you obviously align in the vision of what something could look like. So for, um, for like the Spurs collab, was it mm -hmm. sold on your website as 
It was only sold on our website. Okay. Yeah. And was there ever, with any of the clouds, was there ever a discussion where it's like, well, we want to sell it? Like, I guess the Spurs yeah, don't have- definitely a, Yeah, it's definitely a piece of the negotiation and conversation. Mm. Sometimes they'll be like, have zero cares and be like, yeah, you can just sell it on your website. And sometimes someone will want to sell it on their website and have us post it and drive traffic or vice versa. We love to sell everything through our website because that's what we do. And we sell everything through e-com unless we're doing a pop-up or an activation. So- again, part of the conversation. And I think you just, you feel it out and what makes the most sense. It's cool. Like the inner workings of it. Cause I feel like people see all these collabs pop up and it's kind of like, how did this actually work? Like, yeah. you know, there's the like meeting the guy who works for the Spurs part, but then there's actually yeah. like, okay, how did, you know, them actually approving stuff and yeah. you selling product with their name. The best on part for me is the meeting the guy from the Spurs part. Like that's my bread and yeah. butter. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. for me, it's been like the last 10 years of working in creative and marketing and social and like, keeping those relationships and then figuring out now that we've started this and we have this, it's like, how do I, with some of those relationships, use that to start creating some things with that? Yeah. And all that other stuff I'm obviously a part of because we're a two person show at this point, but everything else is, is not my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say, so can you share like how, what's the setup of the company now? So you said two person show. Yeah. So is that you and a partner or it's me and my fiance? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's creative director, her view on the aesthetic, the feel, the type of product and all of that stuff is like totally her wheelhouse. And for me now, it's like more of like the, I think like still obviously hands-on cause we're both hands-on with absolutely everything. It's like still the vision of it. Uh, it's obviously like we were just saying like that initial conversation or like that initial thing and like, who could we work with? What kind of projects can we do? Is obviously a lot of my focus, but again, it's, we're two people, so we're still hands-on on everything and the manufacturing piece do you have your own factory is it coat yeah. packers is it yeah we, we use a few facilities we make everything in the u.s so we make everything in new york or new jersey so it's within driving distance for us because we like to be able to walk in and see stuff being made and be hands-on with it so it's not we don't have our own factory but we're using other factories for our cut and sew stuff and just building everything that we're mm -hmm. looking to do going forward it's easier that way to build out a business than having like a bunch of employees and yeah. like for now, I think we're we're not too far away from definitely needing some more people power. Yeah, more on the on the sales side or on the e-commerce side or actual no, I think like more on like the hand like this the sales side and that side. It's like doing the website is doing the website, right? It's like setting up a drop is setting up the drop. I think it's more so like we have like ten to fifteen projects in the pipeline, and it's like we can't sit down and design everything. So like we'll need a little bit of design help to go off of what we want and our vision for it. And we just need like operational stuff. And like, there's just so much that goes into having this versus just like, okay, we're going to put up this product shot and sell it on a Friday, right? Like it's like the ideation of a campaign. And like for us, the amount of effort that we put into for content for campaigns is like, what's going to make or break that drop. Yeah. So for us, content is everything. Cause we're still, again, we're still so young. We're still telling our story over and over and over, but through different capsules and through different looks. And so right now, are you guys running all the back end of the e-commerce, like yeah. everything? Yeah. So what's a typical day look like for you? None, no day is typical. It's like every day is different. I mean, there's a lot of focus on future products, but there's just as much focus as let's get our fulfillment crew in on a Monday and let's get this stuff out. There's also just as much focus on 
we need to start setting up the next campaign or we need to start setting in, we need to start getting approval on these designs from team XYZ for next March drop. Like there's just so much that goes into everything that we hope to do that with the two people being us, it's like, we're definitely starting to need more and more people power to help to continue that consistent growth. What's kind of the, do you have a, like a, like a three PL or like a shipping facility or are you just shipping straight from the factory? Like who are all the hands that touch the product? Yeah. Um, so it gets made in the factory. You kind of, yeah, you're working with them pretty closely. Comes, to our, design, comes to your office. Yeah. So we tried a three PL last summer and it was a really expensive, good learning experience. It wasn't great. I jumped on it probably maybe too quick and like, was like, can't wait to get this off my hands, but it was more of a mess to clean up than it was like saving time. So we brought everything back in house. We have a team of could be three to five, depending on how big of a drop we do on a Friday, come in for the day on Monday or Tuesday and help with fulfillment. But we do all of it in house. Like we're still printing the labels on the weekends after a Friday drop. And for now that it's working for us from a scaling standpoint, obviously it's going to have to change at a certain point. But again, like we're still so young, we have so much stuff going on that's amazing. And I think we'll get to that place soon, not too far off. Three PLs, yeah. Sometimes you lose some of the some of the quality v- totally. control, but yeah. like they can also be good. I mean, I used one with my cookie company and it was like at one point I remember we were it was actually I was saving money having someone else ship it out because like they had like these crazy volume discounts Mm -hmm. for shipping. So it was like, it would have cost me nine a package and it cost them six and I paid Mm -hmm. them two or whatever. So I still saved a dollar and had someone else do it. Yeah. Sometimes it works out well. Yeah. But from a math standpoint, we're saving money now for sure. Yeah. Keeping it uh, in house. Depends. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it depends for sure. Can you share uh, any numbers of like how big the company is at this point in terms of either revenue or how many hats you sold or do you share any of that? Revenue, I definitely know. How many hats we sold, I definitely don't know. Revenue, I probably shouldn't share publicly at the moment, <laughs> but we had an amazing 2022. Uh, we've had an even better start to 2023 and we hope to continue that. But again, I think for us, it's it's been less about how much can we make, how much volume can we move and more about the smart strategic growth and alignment because we're not trying to just sell $10 million in hats in the next 12 to 18 months. Like we're trying to have a brand that has heavy brand equity, that has a brand story and heritage and build that up over the next number of years. So your goals with it aren't revenue driven, aren't money driven? For sure. I mean, to an extent, but I see a lot longer term play than just a 12 to 18 month calendar. Did you have a business background? Like what were you doing before this? No, I was, I was doing creative and marketing and social for some athletes and music artists and just like some random projects. I started the social media department for Outfront Media, which is the largest out-of-home media agency and moved into heading up their cultural relevance was basically just like aligning them and getting them in the door with brands or individuals that don't typically work with them directly. So always kind of had a a job or doing stuff or whatever you want to call it, like in the cultural sphere of things, either social or whatever. And I think a lot of that helped from a networking perspective, for sure, with with getting this kind of off the ground. What are some things like starting this business? This is your first business, I guess, from? Yeah, I like was a co-founder of a social aggregation app, like my senior year of college with one of my best friends from high school's older brother. So it was like super heavy startup. It was like three people. 
were super lucky to get LL Cool J to be a, a co-founder investor. And I was like 21 and like hanging out with him and like, like learning the entertainment space and like how that kind of all worked. And that definitely opened up a lot of doors for me from a networking perspective. I think that was a, a good building block for me, but from a building a business perspective is definitely at the ground floor of it. Yeah. What are some things that you didn't realize? You should set up quarterly taxes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we did very well, very fast. Uh, and I think when you're doing that, you don't think about all the things that you don't know about. So I think it's tough to like slow down and start thinking about the stuff that you really never want to think about, whether it's taxes or how much a box is costing you and how much a bag is costing you. And I think like all those like finance things, is not my wheelhouse. Um, and I think you just learn that you have to learn those quick and just figure it out. But I think the best part of it is just figuring it out. Like you need to figure it out. You can listen to people on like what they've done or what they think is the right thing to do. But I think the only way to really know is to do it yourself because every situation is different. The margins get eaten quick. Eh? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was the biggest thing for me. It took a long time to understand like if something costs a dollar and I sell it for two, you're not actually making a dollar. It's yeah. like it's there's like, so many other box things. And a bag and a label and UPS pickup. And your like, time, if you're shipping something yourself, like yeah. if you have to replace yourself one day, that's that costs, you know, and, and all those things really add up. Yeah. Um, what were some hidden costs? that you can think of that you're like, damn, I didn't realize that that. <laughs> I think all of those like small things, like even from the fulfillment side, you don't, you don't think about those things. You're like, I'm selling this $56 hat. I'm making X percent off that hat. But then I also have this box and this bag and this tape. And I got to call UPS to pick up all these boxes. And then like things add up fast. So mm. everyone thinks that like you sell a thousand $1,056 hats every two seconds and you're killing it. But like, you got shit to pay for. Yeah. Yeah. What would you do different if you're starting right now? Same thing. And you're like, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't change the thing. <laughs> I would ask Caroline, my fiance to help me earlier. It couldn't have been that much earlier. She jumped in. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Let's say you're starting a new brand. Cause I know people are like, oh, I don't regret anything, yeah. but like you were starting a new brand today. Nothing that you'd be like, I would just do this. I don't think you can replicate different what we've done because of the heritage story that it's attached to. Mm, and yeah. if you, you can just start a brand and you can call it like Max's hats, but like, what are you, what are you, what are you telling? Like, what's your story? What's yeah. your purpose? Like there is none. Like it might be a cool hat. Maybe you can make a million bucks off of it, but like, then what? And yeah. it's over and you gotta do something else. So I think that's my whole like optimism and idea of creating this as a longevity piece. And I'm just lucky enough that, I had a story that I could take and grab and run with. So I think just sticking to that has been super helpful. So to replicate it, I think it'd be pretty hard. Does your dad rock the hats? He definitely rocks the hats. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I, he didn't wear hats very often before. He used to wear a cowboy hat like every day, like one of the Stenson vibes, like on the farm um, with like a piece of straw in his mouth, like a true Jewish cowboy from Long Island. I didn't even know those existed. Yeah, to be it's a one of one rare high price. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he definitely loves it. I think he was definitely one of the people in the beginning. Was like, who the fuck's gonna wear a Siegelman stable hat? And then it's like, because it's like your name. On yeah, it. it's, it's like yeah. it's your name. It's a lot more responsibility that comes with it. So it's like, yeah, I mean, he definitely rocks with it. I mean, my parents are both retired now, so like they travel with us a ton. Like we did the thing in uh, American Airlines Arena in San Antonio with the Spurs. Like they flew in, they sat on the court when we were doing it. So like they're having fun with it. 
So what are some of your aspirations? Like, I know you mentioned just like growing slowly, staying organic. Mm -hmm. Where do you see this brand in a year, five years, 10 years, 50 years? Yeah, and we talk about it more and more every day because I think we're at a huge inflection point for us and what the brand looks like today, tomorrow, and six months, and a year, and five years. I mean, I'd love to see us doing Milan Fashion Week in a few years. You know, like that's where we want to take this. Like we don't want to just be a brand that exists for five years and forget about and like made a bunch of cool hats and like that's what you're known like i think we want to really continue to grow this and become like a luxury brand and i don't think that's impossible with the ground floor that we have now and what i know that we're working on behind the scenes that we haven't started putting out there yet so i think that's definitely a huge goal for us so just take it keep a really high quality keep doing the drops very limited and just grow in that way not in necessarily like more and more and more it's more just like up and up and up that makes yeah, sense I think, I think, yeah i think like more and more offerings right yeah, so I think yeah. When you have more and more offerings you have the more and more and more naturally yeah um and i think there yeah, sure there could be a time could be soon could be in a year or two years where like we could have always on products in addition to limited stuff in addition to more luxe stuff so i think that that's that's how we see it for us and so far, we've bet on ourselves the way that we've seen it and, it, and it's worked. So we're going to continue to do that. You have a little little preview of uh, some of the products, some of the next products that are coming out for you guys? Yeah. I mean, like I said, like we have our first like eight or so uh, cut and sew pieces that we're making from scratch. I'm not too hidden about it or secretive about it. I like post the track jacket that my dad, like his colors, they call it, uh, that he always wore to train a horse or ride a horse in a race. Um, we're looking to bring that to like, uh, to the market in a, in a cool way that that's a little bit more fashion acceptable, maybe is the best way to put it. But again, just like our own cut and sew shirts, cut and sew hats, uh, cut and sew sweatshirts, and then looking into even more luxe stuff. And, and that's kind of what, what we would like to knit. Like, that's kind of what we want to keep doing. We just want to keep elevating the things we're putting out. Mm. And you design everything. Uh, it's a mix. Caroline designs a lot. I meant you guys uh, like together, ideas, but yeah, us as a team, yeah. we're, we're designing everything. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, all right, let's get out of the studio and, uh, go look at the hats and I want you to show me some of the details and Sounds walk me good. through it. Yeah. So these are the iconic hats, eh? This is it. And this is one of the, I love the Canadian, eh? Uh, yeah. this is one of the OG ones. So we did our original three was red with the yellow gold Navy with the yellow gold and, uh, black with the yellow gold. And then we started moving into like the two tones, which I feel like was a heavy uh, wave, which still is. And then we ended up starting to do a lot of the three tones. We would change the embroidery color not to match the the brim, um, which has been a huge, huge seller for all. Oh, cool. Yeah. So this is, okay, so this is like <clears throat> an OG black one. This is one of the OG black ones. Show me some of the details on here that like. Yeah, so like I was saying, like my, so my mom hand drew this, like what, she drew two logos. This was one of them. Uh, in the 80s for my dad when he first started his racing stable. So when we first started doing this, I had to get this logo basically digitized to copy the exact font, copy just everything. So to me, when we were making them to start, like the embroidery stitch had to be like so on point to show the different details of like the horse's chest, like the muscles cut in half and like all the different intricate pieces. And luckily we were able to digitize that file to, to really show what it should look like. And what else you got? So you got the... The 1982. Got the 1982 on the side. Just to people make sure they know. 
and then uh, and then we started obviously making a ton of other pieces so like the sweatshirt we started using the other stuff and then now we obviously design a bunch of different things so these are two shirts that come out this friday so we're using that same like hand should have maybe steamed these before but these like handwritten ones to Siegelman stable family owned harness racing and luxury um and then on this specific one we took a picture of my dad with one of his horses and had it re-sketched uh so we're selling just my dad on a t-shirt basically cool which we didn't tell him that we were doing and then on father's day i gave him the first one and he didn't recognize himself but he knew exactly what horse that was so that was like <laughs> weird uh, he's like well you found a picture yeah. of a guy he's like oh cheyenne trish is that john campbell who's like some super famous jockey i'm like oh it's you he's like oh it looks like a mustache i'm like dude it's like a stencil artwork piece of like your picture and then something that like we wanted to keep doing like more and more is just leaning in really to like the heritage of obviously the Siegelman stable story but just like the sport of harness racing in general so just bringing this to to life and like showing like the two horses racing next to each other keeping that same font and then doing a little bit something different on the back and doing just like just a little hit of what was on the front of the other one just like on the back below the I like the, the placement of that yeah it's a little different so yeah, I mean, these are just two pieces that we have coming out this week. But again, we have like so much in the works from cut and sew to jackets. And we're just pumped that it's going in, in that direction and continuing to up the quality and the amount of different products that we have. That's cool. And how important are like details like, you know, the label and like things like that to you? Yeah, it makes a difference. I think like, especially yeah. when you're starting to do cut and sew, whether it's hats or whatever, it's like being able to have like, your brand presence in as many places that people can like recognize and understand that it's like legit it's not yeah. just like a random thing that you're doing um i think it's super important so i think the more attention to detail is just as important to us as it is to consumer yeah no to me it really adds a lot like when you see brands that have like you know the like gilded t-shirt and they still yeah. let the tag in and it's I mean, printed it's may or may not be how i started doing it, but again <laughs> i had no clue but um but yeah i mean you got to start somewhere to to build it right yeah. so like the majority of people start with blanks unless their passion and their knowledge and their education is in fashion to start making these things from scratch which mine was not so that's kind of where you gotta start yeah and then each like as you as you start making money you can pump it back mm -hmm. into like more r d for products totally better yeah. quality and all that yeah so how do you these are some of the original hats this is the original hat this was like a later on drop down the line um and the different colorways that we put out now depends on could be seasonality of the colors could be different um collections that we're doing or collaborations that we're doing uh and then typically if it's for uh like a limited drop it's part of our own collection we'll do an additional like side hit on this side uh we've done some embroidery stuff around the back uh and, and it just depends what we're doing so um but for the most part the front never changes when we did the san antonio spurs collab it's the only other time that we've added some stuff to the front where it's just like we use the um fiesta colorway which is like their vintage colors like that. those like yeah. yeah like teal pink and whatever yeah. and then we laid our our uh our logo on top of it so like we're always for the front of the hat we'll always be the center of attention because this is our bread and butter yeah um That's but really cool. we try and loop in and figure out different ways to be creative with it I have a personal question because I'm like, I love bright colors and I'm like, always like, yeah, I can't like, tell. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> all my, you know, so, so everything I make is bright colors, but are, like I get overwhelmed by colors because like, you're like, oh, like hot pink would be crazy. And yeah. you're like, well, I also like the light one. 
how do you like narrow it down where you're like okay because you seem pretty like you know what you want to do and it's like yeah they're pretty like plainer stuff like this is just you know beige and navy or black and yellow like how do you decide like yeah i mean i think there's green and purple yeah i think there's a lot that goes into it right like we've done the the pink we just did and but like that made sense for the project that we were working on because it was for a race in sweden and their color was like pink we did a different shade of pink because it was a too hot pink for us um but if it fits the whole it has to fit the whole collection um and then you also like have to have an understanding for your customer if you're selling a hat for 56 bucks and it's bright green and purple like can they wear it on an everyday basis with like everything they're wearing so they're gonna get their money's worth like those are like little things that i think about and then there's also the design side of things that caroline or whoever else is thinking about and i'm thinking about also but you have to think about just like all that little stuff but yeah i'm not wearing those bright colors all the time yeah do you go off like okay like you know big big brands go very like you know we're, we're doing research and like this shade of green is big mm. for 2023 and like mm. now this is our fall collection or is it more like i'm in the mood to do blue and pink and- yeah i think it's a mix of both and i think yeah. because of where we're at and how long we've been around and what we're doing like you can be playful like that and do that but there's also like some strategy that goes into it too it's like you're probably not going to sell this hat in the middle of summer i would sell it more so in like the fall because there's like more fall colors to me yeah. but i think like if you're gonna sell a bright pink hat or like an all white hat, I probably wouldn't drop an all white hat in the winter. I drop it in the summer. Um, so it's like, but those are like simple seasonality like things. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe we'll put a bucket hat out there. Yeah, <laughs> we've done a few bucket hats before. <laughs> Love it, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Thank you. Dope. <laughs> cool.